0: Nell, Nell,
1: Nell, 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 Nell,
2: Nell, Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin.
3: Oh hello, how do you do? We are the boys in white and blue and we're back with another episode of The Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show broadcasting on CITR Radio 101.9 FM from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of beautiful British Columbia. I'm Michael McCall. I'm Steve Pounder. And I'm Zachary Adam Eisenheimer. And we're not bottom anymore. We're not bottom anymore. For maybe a a week, we'll maybe give it that. Sing the song while you can, because the Whitecaps have started their steady rise up the Western Conference standings from little acorns do giant... Some things grow chestnuts, is it? I think that's the phrase. But the Whitecaps got their first point of the 2022 MLS season, They haven't got their first win, but a 0-0 draw with New York City FC at BC Place in their home opener for this MLS campaign. We're going to delve into all of that in this one. We're going to look around MLS West as well, have a little look ahead to next weekend's game in Houston. We're we're not going to kick things off with our TVOD section this week. We'll hopefully bring that back next week, because I want to just get straight, into the action, talk about this game, because there's a lot of things to talk about, not maybe so much with the actual game itself, because there were some exciting moments in the first half, second half the action did kind of dip a little bit, but there's certainly a lot of questions and a lot of discussions surrounding the team just now, and I I think we'll delve into a fair bit of that in the the show this week. These are the games that we have to win, Steve. It's the home games. We, we know how difficult it is to win on the road in MLS. You're facing the MLS Cup champs. We didn't know what kind of New York City FC side we're going to get. Would they rest people ahead of this Champions League game that they they've got coming up on Tuesday? But it seems to be because they lost their season opener... They didn't want to lose their first two games of the season, so they put out a pretty full-strength team out there. How do you come away feeling from this one? It's a nil-nil draw. It is against the defending MLS champs. Only one shot on target for the Whitecaps throughout, and some up-and-down performances. Yeah, it's one of those things like where somebody earlier
1: asked me, "Did I watch the game?" Um, and I was like, I, "I didn't really watch it. I just more stared at the screen." Uh, because that's about like how much enjoyment you got out of this one. There wasn't really anything there. There was a little bit of a, um, uh, like a redemption kind of for Thomas Assal. Um, other than that, there's minor improvements, but you, you, when you're watching your team play or watching a team that in your city, you want to see something like where it gives you some kind of hope. And there was no hope in this game. There is lacked hope in like anything like scoring or uh, other stuff. Like, and I, I just was waiting for the, the the foot to drop where or the shoe to drop when, when the, the New York City FC was going to score the goal because they looked like they were going to score at any moment.
3: Yeah, I think that was it for me as well, Zach. And I was on the post-game show uh, afterwards as well, and I, I said this. The whole game, I sat there, and at no stage did I feel the Whitecaps were going to score and win that one. If one team was going to score, it felt like it was going to be New York City FC, it just felt that side of the the White Cat's performance was severely lacking in this one.
4: So yeah, it's hard to disagree with that. But I, I think there were, uh, there are a lot of ways you could look at uh, things and see negatives. But I think there were positives for them. Oh yeah. Like I, 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 I think, yeah. Was it the most entertaining match of football? No. Was it the least entertaining match of football in MLS this weekend? No. uh, uh uh, and you know, for, like,
1: for the ones I watched.
3: Oh, okay, well you you missed some. Well, bad this, ones the,
1: this, this is the only one I watched, so that yeah, it was. Oh, go, I, I
3: didn't watch Orlando Chicago because I'd seen it was nil nil, and I thought there's no point in me watching that in the PVR. I've only got limited time before we are recording this.
4: Well, no, I, even I, I, even, I, even, it, even like the even like the Char- the Charlotte LA game was mm-hmm. not like good football.
1: Like fact like, like, I, I, I want to clear one thing up. Like I said, when I said I didn't see them scoring a goal, well, their chances they got they you didn't see coming. Kind of thing. So that's what I'm saying. Like I, I, didn't see the ability to score. Like the chances kind of came out of nowhere.
4: Yeah, I know. I know that's one, one of people's big critique is that they're bypassing the midfield by playing a lot of balls over over the top and not really playing through the midfield because there's, in people's perception, not enough quality in the midfield. And I think that's that that's definitely a valid critique. But I still think there was a lot more positives going forward in this game than there was in the last game. I mean, even early in the, uh, you know, 17th. If, to seventeenth minute or so, they, you saw the ability they have to counter. You know, they had a corner; it's cleared by Blackman. Gold gets on the end, and they had a half chance. They had a half chance for me. You know, like I, I don't think it. I don't think it's all doom and doom and gloom. Oh, maybe on the entertainment side, sure, but on the overall on the overall footballing side, I think there's a lot of positive takes. Plus, th- th- I mean, that's what even talking to the fact that they switched back to the f- three four one mm. two. And it seemed to work a lot more better, especially defensively.
3: So lots of positivity from Zach there, which does raise the question, who are you and what have you done with Zach?
4: (laughs) Well, I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, I could be, I could be, you know, uber critical and talk about, you know, one shot in two games and no goals and all that kind of stuff. But like, I think, I think they, we will be getting to that. (laughs) Yeah. I think, I think they're, I think it's like, it's like baby steps for them. And this this was a good step
3: forward. I, I don't, it's like, when you're looking, like, what what's your big positive from the game? We weren't as bad as we were last week, so, I mean, that's good. I, I liked Vanny afterwards had said, it was Mount Everest compared to last week, and let's be honest, it was. It, it was an entertaining first half, I will say that, I, I enjoyed the first half, I didn't think that the the second half kind of lived up to what I was was expecting, especially from two teams mm. that... Haven't served up nil nils, and their games in the past have always produced goals, and we goals, we just didn't yeah. get it. And like, yeah,
4: both teams have scored in every game they played. Yeah, yeah. my
3: critique of the baby steps thing, the comments
1: Zach made there was like, why are they having to take baby steps? They didn't, they didn't make many changes because they felt like they had the team. They, this is a team from last year, so it's basically they should be no getting used to each other. So there should be no baby steps. They should be showing a little bit better ability to play defending like even last week i'll include that because i wasn't on the show last week but like last week they should have been better at defending because they, they, they a lot of players were the same players and there should be no issues there i i don't need to see baby steps because they shouldn't have to take baby steps in this team well, steve, steve
4: i mean I'm, I'm with you on that i mean th- this squad is not uh Holistically, is not better than it was, at, you know, at the the last league game of the season last year, for sure, mm. and and that's why they that's why the you know Axel has stopped using the I think oh I haven't heard him use the you know we're taking steps kind of language at, at all in a long time um, because it, it feels like they've without any additions or sorry without the with the limited number of additions they've made and the significant departures they've had yeah they've taken step backwards so I, I'm I'm just talking to Steve within the season. Because you know, last week was was really awful, and yeah. they they changed the system, they changed a few players, and I think they were they were much and they, and I think they were probably playing an overall better squad. And yeah. I know and it was at home versus away and whatever, but they they played better.
1: I understood. Okay, I got you now.
3: I mean, <laughs> if if we look at the, the changes that were made, one was obviously enforced at the back, which was Flo Jungwert coming in for Jake Narinsky, who was suspended, Eric Godoy... And we talked on last week's show about the fact that Godoy had been kept on the bench. A, a calf issue now is keeping him out altogether. It's far from ideal. And you, I, I know we kind of joke in this show about I always have players and their injuries as, oh no, it's going to be the end of their career and stuff. We are getting to the stage that you do have to say about Godoy how lot like we're not saying he's going to hang up his boots tomorrow, but it's like if he can't solve these injury problems, his career is going to be seriously curtailed.
1: Yeah, it's at, at the point where you have to nickname Mister Glass. Yeah. Um. Um. I just saw it breakable today. That's why I keep my head. Um. Uh, but yeah, I don't understand how he cannot stay healthy. It's hard for me to imagine. Like, it's if it's one thing, if it's a if it's a nagging knee injury or something like that. But these niggling injuries keep coming up with him.
3: I mean, I was speaking to Vani on Friday. We were just chatting at the the media day that they had. And he, I mean, he feels for the guy. I feel for the guy as well. He's our best defender when fit. And then you think, how often has he been fit and fully good to go for the last two seasons? And it it doesn't feel like much at all. Vani had said the plan was to ease him in gently and he was probably going to start the game at Houston. But then this calf issue which we don't know how bad it is if it's just precautionary or hopefully it's not going to be anything too too bad at all it just makes you wonder at some stage they're going to just have to cut their losses and and move on from him which is a shame because i, I just think he is such a, a a talent but that gave Flo the chance to come into that back three christian gutierrez came in as well as one of the wing backs and leo wisu came into the middle of the field and the, the latter two of those in particular, I thought, had a, a, a good impact on, on the game. Before we get into the game itself, just want to talk a little bit about the, the pre-game and the the tribute that was paid to Ukraine. It was very moving here in the Ukrainian national anthem before the match and the the choir singing that, and then you, you had the American the Canadian anthems. If you haven't seen it, if you weren't at the game, I tweeted out uh some video of the whole thing so you can check that out but I thought it was a very nice touch by the club I don't know how much money they've raised for the the Red Cross's humanitarian efforts but certainly it it was lovely to see people holding up the the flags there wasn't as many people dressed in yellow and blue as the club had wanted they wanted people to turn up dressed in yellow and blue I wore a blue shirt with a yellow t-shirt underneath The plan was they had a big Ukrainian flag that was going to be getting passed around the whole stadium, but it didn't make it out because there wasn't enough people at that section to pass it around because the crowd were late getting in, which I found very disappointing because it would have been a lovely gesture to go around and then it just suddenly disappeared. I was going to film it going around and it's like, oh, it stopped. I, I don't know whether it was the traffic, the congestion downtown or what it was, but that crowd... At one point, I would say it looked like there was maybe twelve, thirteen thousand in, and then it slowly built up as the first half went on to to the eighteen thousand that that was announced. But well, I I glanced at one point. I thought
1: there were a lot of New York City FC fans in there, but then I realised there were empty orange red seats kind of thing.
3: So, <laughs> like... Yeah, the vote strip. I kept well, the, I genuinely was... a couple of times today. I, I thought we were playing Houston. There was three protests though downtown. Yeah, Houston. I don't know what the third one was. I know that one of them was Ukraine, one was the Freedom Convoy, and then someone said there was a third one. It's like, what, what are we doing now? I don't know. But let's get into the game. So, eight minutes in, Thomas Asal, massive save, and that would have done his confidence the the world of good. And Asal today, if it wasn't for the saves that he pulled off, I, I think the Whitecaps would have gone down to a two or three goal defeat. He was big for them today. And... I I was maybe a little bit harsh on the on the post-game show when I said, look, that's what he's there for, he's a goalkeeper, he's paid to, to make those saves, because I was giving my man of the match to Blackman or Gutierrez, but having some time to consider, I think you have to really consider Hassel as one of the, the men of the match for the Whitecaps, because without those big saves, especially that one late on, that would have been a whole different thing that we're talking about for the Whitecaps today.
4: Yeah, I, I think I, I think uh, Blackman was named like the performer of the match or man of quality in the match or however they word it now. But yeah, I think him and him and Hassal were by far the, the top performers with maybe Gutierrez and Dajo, you know, following that up. But um, yeah, I mean, they don't take points if it's not for that early save or not for that late save or take a point, I yeah.
3: should say. The, the early going you really would have thought, like if you tuned into that game and you didn't know who was who, you'd have thought New York City were the home team because the Whitecaps were all over the place. They weren't on the same page. And going back to what Steve said there, it's like there shouldn't be that much confusion, especially because they went back to the formation that they played last year. And I don't know... Exactly what it was, but they've been slow. And they did do this last year. To be fair, they were slow starts, and then how many times did they go behind and then fought back? At least today they didn't have to to fight back from going behind. But these slow starts, Steve, we cannot afford this at all, especially at home.
1: No, you can't. You get. It's not. You don't have to be like a fully attacking, but you have to show some semblance of um organization on the pitch and everything like that that's, a, that's a, that way you're not giving up chances um like if it had been swapped around and you had the the you kind of would want the second half to be like the first half and have a little bit more open up in the second half if you want to do something like that mm-hmm. that's would be more ideal because then that shows your you're organized you're kind of shutting them down and then try to break out that way but yeah it, it's just it's odd to see a team that and we always thought that oh was it mds maybe over flooding with too much information and that's why they weren't doing it but now you got sartini and it's still happening so i don't know it's just odd very hard how, how it's working out
3: i mean I, I was a bit surprised zach at how new york city came out but again just thinking about it on the drive home they probably thought if we can get an early goal or two early goals we can then sub off our key guys rest them a little bit for tuesday and then kind of just soak up the pressure and hopefully see out the game. I think that might've been what the game plan was for them. Yeah. You got
4: to think that they definitely did not want to, um, start their season 0-2, uh, you know, after the loss in LA. And, um, but yeah, at the same time, you could tell it felt like the subs were almost like, uh, like predetermined, like they were, Hey, we're going to take these guys off, uh, to rest them for the upcoming Champions League matches or to, you know, um, you know, uh, balance their load or whatever um you know take care of their load management but um yeah it it was it felt like i mean they were the one they were the team at the races like you said michael in one sense you could say they felt like the the home team in the opening there Mm -hmm. or for large parts of, of the match um because they were well, yeah, possession they were, they, wise they're, they're, in, sure. they're in control. But again, that's that's partly like style of play. Vandy knew that the white caps knew that the white caps are all talking about this was in all the, the pre-game talk was they are a, a team that loves that needs to and wants to be in possession. And I think as much as you as much as people will not like it or can you know be frustrated about it or whatever, the white caps got a point from a game where they had, you know, whatever, 29.9% possession, mm-hmm. like to be fair, they could have nicked the result. You know what I mean? Like,
3: so I, I think I don't think I don't think it was all that bad. New York City came close in the fifteenth minute when Callens crashed a, a header off the bar. Great hustle from Morales to start with. He won the ball back out by the sideline and then played it off to get the the cross in. That's the kind of hustle that the Whitecaps have been missing in these first two games. And you kind of want to see that. But we did get our first sort of chance at least it kind of was squandered but in the 18th minute it was a quick counter uh goal just steamed forward it was the best thing that goal did the whole afternoon and then played the ball into diber who just kind of the, the chance didn't fail but it, it gave you a little bit of oh here we go the white caps can do something and they did start to come into the game after that um kava had a header of, of a, a a gold cross on target yes uh, that was our only on-target one of the game. Of the season. Wow, that just makes it sound bad when you put it that way, but it is factually accurate. Castellanis blasted over for New York City FC. Then, best thing we've seen from Cavalini for I don't know how long. The hustle, I'm talking about the hustle earlier that Morales showed for for that New York City chance, but Cava in the middle of the New York City half was amazing at keeping the ball, turning, twisting, getting past visitors' players, and then laying the ball off. That is the Cava that you want to see. But that was great play by him, and it's stuff we haven't seen from him for for ages. And then the the move ends up coming back to to Gutierrez and a curler that just went over. It was the best play really the, the Whitecaps have had so far in in these two games.
4: It yeah, it really was. Um But but ultimately didn't it, it you know it wasn't it wasn't quite good enough, but yeah, it was encouraging. I I, I saw I called these these little forays that they had, they were encouraging signs of you know what Steve wants to see and I think what all the fans want to see.
3: Yeah, just few and far between a little bit. Amundsen had a, a great effort for New York City after that from the outside of his foot that just curled n- narrowly over. I, I don't think Thomas Asal was getting to that.
4: If he had taken it with his right foot, you
3: think he would have scored. And then, I, I said we'll talk about Kava at the end of this part, but we do have to talk about the booking that he got in the 39th minute. Kava, after the game, doesn't think it's a booking.
4: That's that's crazy.
3: That's I a mean, for, for me, it's a clear booking. I booking.
4: It's a it's a booking. Even if you take away, it could be a it could have been a booking for persistent fouling. He had a foul, and I think it was the ninth minute, the thirty second minute. That both, you know, with a with a you know a not great ref could have been bookings as well. And that one was absolutely stone cold, a yellow card, regardless of his persistent fouling and his the way in which he's shown you know a lack of regard for the laws of the game in general in his MLS era.
3: It it was reckless, Steve. I mean. I- do you see it, it was a booking oh, Yeah
1: it was 100% a booking He,
3: he he's got the mentality that he, he like
1: he should he, uh, I think he it was Uruguay where he spent most of his time and yeah. maybe they get away with that kind of stuff in Uruguay but MLS doesn't let you do anything like that you have. And the, he needs to either adapt to this. Uh, he's already got a reputation at this point oh, yeah. of doing this kind of thing. So people, referees are going to be out for it. And even if it's a close call where maybe he doesn't get all of the person or something like that, uh, the fact that he is reckless will get him that yellow card, even if he makes full contact or partial contact. So either he's got to figure it out or, 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 Move on and maybe play for Seattle, where they get they're, they're allowed to do that or something like that, or the referees let them do that. Um, but it's it's similar to in a thing. It's similar to what Kendall Watson West went through. But oh, the Watson mm. wasn't reckless; he was just big, and people you get he would get bookings because he was oversized yeah. and overpower people too much. Yeah, but the difference would be that Kendall recognized
4: it. It sounds like yeah, like like Cav is being ignorant. Oh yeah, like he said.
3: Is, what, what I wrote down what he said afterwards. That's just who I am oh yeah. well, you need to change that yeah. it, it, it's it's it, it, one that statement and the fact that he didn't think
4: that was a yellow maybe he hasn't gone back and watched it but doesn't think it is yellow is absolutely the problem it's a mental problem it's not i mean like if you can't recognize that if you're not smart enough to recognize that then something's wrong like well he, you're putting your team you're, you're putting your team at jeopardy you get taken off you don't like it you got taken off because you could have been sent off for barging through uh, Callan's back in like yeah. the 49th minute or the fifth minute of stoppage time in the first half. Like, well, he, what's what's he complaining about? He was lucky he stayed now, on the pitch.
3: In the second half as well, there was a New York player, I can't remember who it was, had the ball near the sideline and Cava was like tearing straight into him at pace and then pulled up and it's like, well, it's a good job you realized that because if you'd clattered into him, you, you were going to go off. We were joking at halftime. That it was going to be the case, Brian White would be warming up. They'd be all set to put up the board to bring him on, and then Cava would just go through somebody and get sent off before we, we could bring him on. Thankfully, that didn't happen. But I, the, I like the, an aggressive player, but you've got to be clever with it.
4: Well, exactly. In the words of Vanny on the halftime, uh, on the the broadcast, the mm. halftime uh, thing. Right, right. As soon as the half ended, his words were, "He needs to be very intelligent now." Yep. which shows he wasn't being intelligent before, and he's not known for being intelligent when it comes to these things, which is inexcusable in this profession. Like, it, yeah. it, it, it's come to a point where it is inexcusable. I and mean, his I mean, attitude, what, what he said afterwards, makes it, it makes that even worse. And it I, doesn't help him with his ultimate goal, which is playing for the National team, yes. because John Herbman won't have any of this.
3: Yeah, because the one thing you can't afford, if you're at a World Cup and you're playing top, top teams, you cannot afford the risk of a guy that's just reckless out there. I, I mean, let, let's continue the cavacha I was going to do it at the end of this, but we may as well talk about it now. So he wasn't happy at getting taken off. And Vanny said the ref had kind of given him a look of, look, you need to get this guy out of here or... That he's going to be getting a second jello Now, I don't know what they showed in the TV broadcast. I don't know what it showed when Cava was taken off. Did it show what Vanny was doing with him? No, not, not that I remember. Right. So, Vanny basically, uh, this isn't good for the podcast listeners, but I'm demonstrating to the guys. So, my hands are Vanny and I'm Cava. He had his hands on his shoulder like this and like touching his face and trying to really calm him down and basically saying, it's okay, it's okay, I had to take you off because you were going to get sent off and he had to really calm him down. Kava looked dejected, he kind of just went over to the bench, he looked so pissed off. And I know why, because he wants to be out there and he wants to be scoring and he wants to help the team. And that's great, we want him to do that, but he has to get it into his head that he's a risk when he's on a yellow card that early.
4: And he's only on the yellow card because of his own poor decision making. I mean, one of Kav's biggest problems is I think what Vanny was talking about in terms of just football intelligence, if you will. And but also he just is not, he can't defend. Like he's not good at defending. He's the bull in the China
3: shop. He tackles it's like right tackle, every tackle dish. because I can't tackle. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a it's a problem. Yeah. Har asked him the question about the yellow card, and he was like, oh. Always asking me about the yellow cards. And it's like, Yeah, because you're always getting the yellow cards. When There's three things we some... can ask you about. Goals you've scored, the goals you're not scoring, or the yellow cards. exactly exactly. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, that that's that's our cava rant over for, for this show. At half time, how were you feeling, Steve? Did you feel they could get back into we we would you have taken a point at, at that stage of proceedings?
1: Yeah, I would have been satisfied with it, but I would have taken a point. Uh, I didn't see them getting three in this game.
3: Zach, did you think they could turn it around in the second half? I I had hopes because we had White on the bench and we had VT and he was good last week. And it it actually felt there was a a few difference makers on the bench which we kind of were lacking last week, but it just didn't happen.
4: Uh, I mean, at halftime, I thought it could go either way. I mean... I think originally when we talked about this game I thought oh NYCFC is going to win but then I then after we were talking about the Champions League and all the different variables I, I called I think one one or two two and uh, but at the half I thought yeah this could go either way um I thought I thought Vancouver could nick a goal or the quality of NYCFC will show and, and they'll they'll you know kind of walk away with it or begin to walk away with it
3: I mean the, the second half. There's genuinely very little to write home about. Both teams had a couple of half chances. But I I think a couple of things to talk about from the second half is once White came on, we got a very brief glimpse of White and Cavalini together. And we need to see them together longer. But again, without wanting to pile on Cava. When he's on a booking, we didn't get a chance to see that. But then I thought it was very interesting that they decided then to push Dahomey up front with, with White.
4: So. but well, Actually, didn't they sort of more put Gold? Didn't Gold get pushed Gold was off? there
3: for a bit, but they also pushed Dahomey forward as well.
1: Yeah, yeah I guess because Brown came on yeah, for Catalina. Yeah, once
3: Brown came on, they kind of pushed uh, Dahomey up there. So, I mean, I thought that was an interesting thing as well. We'll get into some of the the tactical bits in the next part. Then the the last minute, 89th minute, Hassal, fantastic one-handed save from Andrade. It would have been tough to lose it at that point. I'm happy with a draw. Vani feels it was a fair result. I don't know. I do feel if I'm New York City FC, I'm disappointed at this one at not coming away with three points. I mean, they should be sitting probably on four points just now. Uh, they
1: uh, I they really should
3: think... have got away with a point last week in LA, and they're, they're just sitting on one.
1: I think they they, they consider this a loss for them, uh, even though there's no little no draw. The fact that they pushed forward, they had their strongest lineup on it, for them it's a loss, essentially.
3: Some of Vanny's comments after the game, just to kind of round this part off. Uh, he said that he felt the Whitecaps were the better team from the about the 25th to the 85th minute. I struggle to, to agree with him on that. Yeah, I don't get it at all.
1: This sounds like uh, coach speak at this point, and I didn't think Sartini would be doing that. I thought he was going to be like straight up. I, I don't know. Maybe he was watching it from his point of view. Maybe it was a little bit different, and maybe he's looking to, he had different objectives, and that's why he thinks he they were the better team for that reason. But, yeah, uh, I'm concerned because this is this is the stuff that, uh, fans do not like when they, they see something on the pitch and they, 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 the coach sees something completely the opposite. Yeah, I, I agree with Steve.
4: It's concerning in the sense of when you look at previous, all the previous managers in MLS, uh, at one point or another, have lost the fans, if you will, in a sense, because what they were hearing from the coach did not match what they saw with their eyes in the field. Now, is that debatable? Yeah, sure, sometimes, or in some perspective, Sure. But in, in in general, that's not a it's not a great place to for a coach to, to wander into. And so you hope for his sake that um this won't become a trend because I think he'll for all the goodwill he's earned, he'll be he'll begin to do, it'll begin to deteriorate quickly if he keeps making comments that are perceived in, in the way that I think these ones will be.
3: Well, when you look at the stats, like when a team's seventy to thirty possession wise, nineteen shots to ten. Four of those on target to one, you you can't say you were the better team. I, I mean that's just without watching what? the game, the eye t- and the eye test of watching it, what? looking at those stats, it would be hard to to compute.
4: What did Kavus say?
3: He wasn't asked about that. <laughs> but it, it's a point. It's the first point of the season, and I I know. I was kind of being facetious early on saying we're climbing the table, but we are because the only way is up at the moment. And we've got to build on that. We've got a big game coming up next week already, third game of the season, and it already feels like a very, very big game against Houston. We'll kind of delve into that and we'll look at some of the the good, the bad and the ugly from the, the players and the tactical side of today's game as well. And we'll be back with all of that after this. Hi I'm Vani Sartini and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer show
0: If you can do your run not
2: to step
0: for your fun
2: light the light
0: or do youslang
2: take the turn
0: the end I've
2: been there.
0: lock the door. There, Wax the floor
2: And I
0: Shine the shine
2: Things of sin
0: From indoors Take it back Did you
2: choose Heart attack To new A setting sun Did you
0: leave we've begun. A smile Where you fall You hit the ground Children's all, Without a sound
2: About your life
0: you blended from the Jesus. start
3: Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And it's a new month, and you know what that means. There's a new Artist of the Month here at AFTN for March. We've gone back to Scotland. Surprise, surprise. I've picked a very influential Scottish band from the 90s into the 2000s. From Glasgow, they're called the Delgados. Named after the Colombian cyclist Pedro Delgado, their first two albums also kind of had cycling-themed names of domestiques and peloton, and then they kind of moved on from that. I guess they were running out of of bike things that they could call their albums. But they're very influential for a, a number of reasons. They're just their musical style, but also they launched a very iconic Chemical Underground label which has started the careers of many of the top Scottish bands, Mogwai, Arab Straps, some previous Artists of the Month there as well. One of those labels, I watched a documentary recently on indie Scottish labels that I'd downloaded a couple of years ago and never got around to watching and it just made me appreciate that time. I had not long passed my driving test, so I was going through to Glasgow a lot and seeing these bands, and it was fantastic. So I thought I'd kick off their residency for this month with a song from their third studio album, 2000's The Great Eastern. And that is a, a song, it wasn't one of the singles from it, it's 13 Gliding Principles. It's one of my favourite Delgado songs. I like the way that the harmonies work back and forward in that as well. So we've got a lot of good stuff coming up from the Delgado's this month. If you've never heard them before, check them out. They're an excellent band. Let's get back into some Whitecaps chat though in this part. And... I'm going to do something, we used to do this a lot in our post-game reviews and we kind of got away from doing it, but I'm I'm going to go back to it for this one. The good, the bad and the ugly of the, the Whitecaps' performance on Saturday afternoon against NYCFC and we'll start off with the positive. We'll start off with the good. I mean, we talked about a, a few of the good things in the first part there and as Zach said, we shouldn't come away from this being full of doom and gloom. For one thing, it's only the second game of the season, but also that It's a big improvement from last week and there is a lot of things to to build upon in this and I think a lot of them for me are on the defensive side. Hassal, excellent today, a confidence-boosting performance out there. We we talked about two of the best players on the pitch from a Whitecaps point of view, Christian Gutierrez and Tristan Blackman. I thought Blackman is starting to show exactly why the the, the Whitecaps made a, a play for him, Steve. He's looking good on the right side of that defence. He's he's quite assured. He, he brings a kind of calm collectiveness. And I think he could be one of the, the key players for the Whitecaps this year.
1: Yeah, he has good mobility on that right-hand side. Um, and he's no, no student to pick his chances. There was one tackle he made um, in the second half where it was in the box too. And he showed great confidence. He waited for the ball to get away from the... The attacker and he he jumped right in there. That was probably it's probably best play of the day. I, I think he was the
4: one at eighty six minute at the end of the game,
1: so near the end of the game. Yeah, 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 that, yeah when he jumped. In. That
4: that was similar to his save in terms of you know saving the match. The fact that one he blocked the shot, uh, or that or blocked the chance, and two he didn't he didn't give away a penalty on it. Yeah,
3: well, yeah, well, it's like last week the, that goal that Diaz got when the ball came at the back post. When Zardis should have buried it, it was Blackman with that last ditch tackle, which again was perfectly timed. Yeah. Because we've seen a lot of center backs and white caps jerseys over the years that would have just clattered into the back of her yeah. and away a what, penalty.
1: I don't want to name names. He rhymes with bake, but uh, it, it could have been easily a red card and a penalty on that one.
4: <laughs> yeah, no, I, 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 um, I, I after these couple of games, I think I, I, I see what you guys have been talking about with Blackman. And I think, yeah. I think I would definitely have uh, have him uh, like higher up the pecking order over probably Flo and definitely Jake for sure or Bake. Yeah.
1: Uh, uh, for me, for me, it's a rotation. If, if Godoy is healthy, it's a rotation of four. It's Ranko, Flo, Blackman, and Godoy. Uh, those are the four that you should choose from. Uh, Jake would be like a fifth option if there was an injuries or or something happened. Um, there shouldn't be any uh, any other questions about it.
4: I'm with you on that,
3: Steve. Yeah, sure. I I think that's pretty fair to say. How would you feel about taking a look at Blackman as a wingback in one of these games? I don't think
1: it's necessary. Um, I like uh, not defensively, but I kind of like what they have right now: Gutierrez and 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 Dahomey Dahomey well we're not talking about the bat
3: okay um but yeah, well, I do not we can talk about the wingbacks in this bit as well like uh, like for me
1: Gutierrez was fine. I, I kind of prefer like I like I there were like a lot of flipping back and forth with the wing backs but um but if if Blackman's uh on the same side as Dahomey, I have no less problem because Blackman could cover for Dahomey's weak defensive weakness because Dahomey did not look good defensively. he was clattering into people left right and center. It, it felt like he didn't know how to defend uh coming or catching up to people so it, it was very odd that way so if blackman's on the, the homie side and you got youngworth or godoy on the other side behind gutierrez i think that's a good combination because then you could kind of invert to like a three at the back to four at the back with Gutierrez covering the white on the other side for,
4: for me for me michael i think i could see blackman in a in a needs must kind of situation be playing at wing back. But I also think in I, I, going back to center backs, I would probably put Brown ahead of Jake as one of those as one of those
3: center against the fifth center back. Yeah, but yeah. never seen him. In, no, in what I don't think, Was his natural position before? I don't
1: think. I, I don't think they we're ever going to see Javane Brown at, at center back at this point. Um, I think
4: Blackman is, the, the, is he, because he, they, they get he they think he gives too much going forward. Like he had what yeah. like five assists last year or whatever.
3: And to, to be fair, I I was very pleased for him today because he was really down yeah. after that performance last week. And players spoke about it. Javine spoke about it himself. Har did a, an interview with him this weekend. He was down about that performance. He knows it was a bad performance. I think he bounced back well today and he looked good going forward.
1: Yeah, he had that one good cross to the far post. It was mm-hmm. a like, heavy cross. Was, yeah. Unfortunately, nobody was there, but it was. A, it's a good cross in.
3: Yeah. Keeping on the wing backs, why would you keep switching your wing backs from one side to the other? Is it just to try and... Confuse the opposition, or to try and exploit some weaknesses, or or whatever. And I, I don't know. I just, I don't. I, mean, I know you put in your report Zach about it's something that Bayern did where Robin and well,
4: By- byron especially did the inverted wingers, and then the, yeah, they would switch when they need, or they even more so they would overload when they wanted to. So all of a sudden, both wingers would show up on the same side. But, um but yeah, I mean. Sir Alex used to do it all the time. I remember like Giggs would switch flanks all the time. I don't know if it was just with Beckham or with other people, but I remember Giggs always like often switching wings. I, I don't think it's I don't I, think it's,
3: I know wingers would do it, but wing backs. Yeah, wing, back, wing backs. More... Wing,
1: backs is,
4: wing backs is a little more different different including wing the wing backs vert- is, wing backs
1: is wing backs a different more for the defensive side of it, I think, more than the yeah. attacking side. Like you you put yourself at a disadvantage when you're That's why uh some right backs can't play left back at all. Or uh, and vice versa, like because you got to defend a certain way, and but, it's kind of uh, weird mirroring it the one way or the other.
4: But I think it actually worked relatively well. well in this, I was going to say, game.
3: it's like I'm knocking it, but we kept a clean sheet. So they kept a
4: clean sheet. And they, if you look at, I think both of them,
3: yeah, both of them
4: created or were involved in chances from either side. Hmm. So I think it actually, it, as much as I didn't think it would, it, it did actually work. I mean, I agree with Steve, Steve's comments on the whole about you know Dajo being a concern defensively like I've said all along you know all off season with this whole 75 25 talk um
3: but I saw in this game
4: in, as in the, the whole, in the
3: one game almost we got 75 <laughs> 25
4: but no i th- I, th- I think that could be a good thing and it does keep the opponent on the toe on their toes right like when you're going to a game and you know player x is the right back for this team that's who you're that's your side, that's who you're up against. People study film and study that player and their tendencies and stuff. Yeah, and and knowing that they're going to switch just makes the players have to think more and uh, you know and study more or prepare more. And so I, I don't I don't think it's I don't think it's that I don't think it's that bad. Unconventional, sure. Weird because it's fullbacks and not actual wingers. Yeah, okay. But I, 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 for now, I think it's working.
3: Here's why I don't like it. There was more than a couple of times today when both of them were going forward and there was a chance of delivering a quick ball, yep. but they took a, a stop, a, a a step to get it onto their preferred foot, and I feel it just lost a little bit in, in the move when they were doing that. Also in terms of building chemistry and building an, an understanding with the centre-back that's behind you, I, I prefer Gutierrez on the, the left side as well, and Dahomey on the right, but yep. I I mean, I spoke about this in the in the extra preview show and I think we touched on it last week. Whatever side Caicedo is on, I want Dahomey on because yeah. those two just have that understanding and the link-up yeah. And we saw yeah. it a couple of times today. Not much and not enough, but that's what I feel we need to get going. Get those two going and then it'll maybe take a little bit of, of of pressure off some of the other guys.
4: Those relationships, those partnerships on the field are key. And you're right, that's a one that the White Caps need to get more out of because they, they got lots out of it last year. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I think this is I think this is gonna be something that uh will be positive for them and, and they'll be they'll be able to grow and uh hopefully will be something that adds to the dynamism of their attack in, in the in the season.
3: Any other good aspects from the game today that we maybe haven't gone over? I like the fact that, I know we
1: haven't talked about him, but Ranko, I thought, played a little, uh, quite a little bit better than last week as well. He was more comfortable in the middle of that three. Uh, but overall, yeah, I think we we, we touched on everything that was I, and, positive.
4: And just to that end, I don't. I, it's not like one of those things where you're like, I can tell you for sure, um, but it seemed like their communication, especially defensively, maybe with Hassal, maybe just the back three or back five or whatever, but seemed much, much improved over last week.
3: Yeah. I I think they've worked really hard on that and it's the old cliche, defences win championships and I've spoken about this a lot and I've spoken about this on our East 5 podcast because we were shipping goals left, right and centre. If you can stop conceding goals, and I've said it on this show as well, you're going to get at least a point as demonstrated today, funnily enough, as demonstrated by East 5 today who also had a a 0-0 draw. Then it's a case of working on the attack, getting that going. And our, our opponents that we've, we've got coming up next weekend having some similar issues that we'll come to shortly. So that was the good taken care of. If we look at the, the bad, for me it's still the progression of the ball through the midfield. They went for a kind of double six option today and Vanny spoke about it it was to allow somebody to still have some defensive responsibility and allow somebody to attack, but and again, I don't want this to sound like we're just piling on Russell Tybert. He doesn't bring you too much offensively. Although I think in the last five minutes of the game today, that was some of the best play we've seen from Russell Tybert in a while. He was he was busy. He was going around, but he's not the guy the dynamic guy that is going to move this ball forward enough through the midfield.
1: No, for me, um, uh, if you compare it in this way, he's uh, like if you're like cutting wood, he's not a skill saw, he's a, a chainsaw. So he's good. He's not going to be something that creates something, but he can go forward and cause a little havoc where it opens up something for somebody else. And that's that might not be what you're looking for, but that's the best he could do um, going forward. Uh, Owusu is probably a little bit more skillful going forward, but like both of those, I think both of those six, the sixes, the fact that you got double six, I think that helped out defensively, but it didn't help out anything to the attack. I felt like Ryan Gold, once again, was basically on an island um, trying to create something for the Whitecaps. I don't know if they got to bring Kaisido back or do they bring Vite on? to start somewhere in the midfield in order to get some of the... Like, I know you mentioned Kyle uh, Alessandri. Yeah. I'm not sure if that's good enough at this point. I don't know if he'll be able to make that much of a difference, uh, especially considering how long it's going to take him to get back into shape and everything.
3: Well, interestingly, Axel spoke on Friday when he was asked, do you think you'll strengthen the the team? Would you bring in one of the young designated players? He said, we could also bring in a TAM DP player. And he said that they do have a player in mind. He's playing in Europe just now. And it's a case of, will the club release him early or will the club keep him and we won't get him until the summer? You have to think that's a midfielder that they're looking at bringing in.
4: Yeah, I I don't know what I like better when they don't talk about doing these things at all or when they talk about them. I kind of, for a while there, was like, I can't believe they're, they're not talking about who they're bringing in. And I thought, oh, maybe this is a good, if they just close their mouth and go behind and do the business. And now that they're talking about it again, I wonder, like, who
3: else is on their way Well, list? they weren't like, talking about it because it was specifically asked. They're, yeah, not, but they're you, not just dropping over looking to do this. But you can give you can
4: give a much a much uh, more, you know, less specific answer of, you know, we're always looking to add to the squad, to add quality, whatever, that those kind of answers. Whereas this is like, we have a guy in mind. Because yeah. now the future questions are going to be, are we getting that guy? Is that guy coming? You know what I mean? And then at some point... If it's no again, it's like, oh, there's another person, you know. Was it last year, the number 10? There was like 10 people on the list and whatever, and they kept on going yeah, down the I, list. Yeah, but I and...
3: don't know, though, how many of those were accurate and how much of those were just like agents putting stuff out and just transfer rumours, because Ryan Gold seemed to have been tied up since about January. But he he, he wanted to come early, but his club wouldn't release him. Right. This seems like a similar situation. But, I mean, I would hope it's a midfielder, I don't think we've seen enough of Alexandre yet to to know exactly what he can be. I'm hoping he's the guy, Steve, that, that can be the, the guy that we need. we I've liked so far from what I've it, seen.
1: It, his video clips from uh, when he played in Brazil is exactly what we need. Um, the way he's like in the midfield, anybody attacks the box uh, from a deep line position, it, that's exactly what the Whitecaps need. But he didn't translate that last year. Um, maybe obviously, and obviously, it's always happens when somebody comes into into MLS. It takes a little bit of time to get used to the play. So, and that's why I was disappointed to get him injured. Where now it's almost like he's starting from scratch again. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think he could be the guy, but it's a matter of seeing when he's fit and will really he be able to adjust quickly to the the MLS again.
3: Yeah, because I mean that will take a little bit of of getting used to. I mean, you mentioned Ryan Gold as well. And we we spoke about this on the the post game show. Is he getting so much attention that he's being ineffectual, or is he just not up to his levels yet f- to to start the season? How do you unlock Ryan Gold? How do you get him coming back when when he's given space, he's looking dangerous, but he's getting a lot of attention. And it, it's basically when he's getting that attention, other guys need to step up. That's the thing. Like if, if he's got two guys on him, someone's got no guy on him.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, it's hundred percent. Somebody's got to step up and, and carry the load. If if and that will uh, not give the advantage to that defending team to say, oh, we can afford to leave a guy open in order to cover this guy. Like it, you got to take advantage of those situations, then. you got to uh, study the tape and see how people are playing it, and then uh, adjust accordingly.
3: Because. You look at the midfield that was there today and it's like if gold's under pressure, Ubusu could maybe think he could like take the ball forward. I've I've seen some great glimpses from from Ubuso under Sartini. And, and I know he was playing in an squad game against the under twenty threes, but he was excellent in that. He really took the ball forward. Russell, I don't know if he could. We've seen him occasionally do it. Oh the the
4: middle of the field though is is a is an area that needs to be improved.
3: Well, that kind of brings us then onto the ugly side of things because this one shot on target through two games and so much of that is the lack of stuff that's coming out of the midfield and moving the ball forward the way that they want to do it. There's been some chances created. I mean, you can't judge Brian White on what you saw today. Diber Kaissero's had a quiet start to the season, but I think that's maybe... It to be expected as well a little bit, but he's been playing with Cava, and they don't—they don't seem to have that understanding. I—I I would, for all we've said about Cava in shows recently, I would like to see White and Cava get a run. Fingers crossed, we can maybe see that next weekend in Houston. But we've got to get some kind of chemistry going, some kind of understanding, because on paper and in theory, Cavalini. White, with gold behind, all at the top of their game, is a very exciting attack. But you still need that help in the midfield, and that's where it's all falling down just now.
4: You are correct. Can we talk? There's one more ugly, sorry. Oh, sure. I think, uh, Steve, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but it's something we we should talk about because it's something maybe that could be rectified. And it's, Michael, it's your record on the the post-game show. Ah, Right? How many how many times have you done it? And
3: I think we're possibly approaching double digits.
4: And how many times have the white caps got a victory when you've done it? Never, never.
3: So I think you should tell people ahead of t- <laughs> time when you're scheduled to go. On.
1: Yeah, that's don't, ugly, man. T-
3: don't buy tickets. That's like they introduced me by saying that, and I was like, I'm surprised <laughs> you invited me back. To be totally honest, I'm, I'm surprised the Whitecaps were like, please don't get him on. <laughs> But next week, it's the battle of the teams that can't score. Because the Whitecaps are heading to Houston. We'll have a little bit of a preview to round off this part. Houston, one point from their first two games. So that's a a, a downside for them. Like the Whitecaps, they haven't scored a, a goal yet. So that's a downside as well. But they have only given one goal up. And... I listened to Paolo Nagamura's post-game chat today just before we we recorded this and he feels that the way that they've set out to improve defensively has impressed him. He's very happy with that. He just feels that they need to get things going offensively. So it's very similar to, to, to the Whitecaps. Houston, of course, is not a happy hunting ground for Vancouver. This is going to be the 10th game in Houston. From the previous nine, Houston have won six. There's been two draws and the Caps have one solitary win. That was in 2018, 2-1 win. Breck Shea scored a second half winner in that one. Last year's meeting was 0-0. Could we see that again? Overall, the Dynamo have outscored the, the White Caps 15-8 to down there. What's your thought, Steve? You confident heading into this one? Are we going to see goals? Is this going to be the game that one of these teams manages to to break their duck for the season?
1: I'm confident. I'm more confident that it'll be nil nil than uh, somebody scoring something. If you look at some of the changes they made, there weren't very many. Uh, and obviously, even if they made changes, that probably is not going to be like a good enough in, in order to make a difference right off the bat. I think last week, I think they were lucky to get that point. That they they got and today yeah. obviously losing the sporting is not going to be easy to go into uh, a away location like that and pick up a goal, but they did only give up one, so that's a pretty big thing in comparison to Whitecaps visits to Sporting Kansas City. <laughs> um, so
3: always from my memory,
1: yeah. So uh, overall, I like either team is I feel like is going to be pl- playing cage again. I think Houston will probably play a little bit more attacking because they're playing at home and they want to get that first win. Um, but overall, I think the Whitecaps will probably. Play Play very similar to how they played today
4: has Vanny made any comments about how easy it will be to get points in Houston?
3: <laughs> no, I don't think Tim Parker is going to be pinning things up in the bulletin board this uh, time. I mean Houston have made a big splash this week they yeah they they signed Mexican national team captain Hector Herrera, but he's not coming to the summer as Steve mentioned yeah. there, so it's like doesn't help them in the short term and but
4: it shows a, a one way to address your squad
3: yeah i mean that, that will be a good signing for them and with the the fan base that they've got down there It'll it's help an, it. actually it's a it's a tremendous sign for them publicity wise and just to try and get bums on seats i do think zach that houston will take the game to the whitecaps next week and it's going to be another similar position stats to to be saw today from what I've seen, though, from Houston through that their first two games, they're just not showing much offensively at all. The bright spark for me for them has been Darwin Quintero, and he's been coming on with about fifteen minutes to go in the two games, and he's had he's had flashes, spark, yeah, but he's had a bit of a spark there. But they the very little else.
4: Yeah, it's that's a different, one, a difficult one to call because you're right. Vancouver has not performed performed well there, and it's like. I know a week or two ago you were saying we were just talking. You were talking about what if the this new formation is, you know, the the three one four two is the away formation, and uh, you know the the three four one two is the home formation. I think if if uh, if they if they Vancouver sticks with what they did today, and has a similar um, uses similar players in the squad to start, I think they have a chance to either get a, get a point or to to nickel win. Otherwise, I think, yeah, it's hard not to see Houston walking away with a one-goal win.
3: I mean, we'll we'll do our MLS West roundup in the next part, but I'll I'll just talk about the game that Houston had this weekend. So it was a 1-0 defeat at Kansas City. After the game, Peter Vermees felt that Kansas City had to be better. He was very disappointed just coming away with a 1-0 win. Houston managed just five shots in the whole game, but three of them were on target. So they're not getting a lot of shots off, but at least they are getting them on target. The only goal in this one came in the hour mark, Remy Voltaire. 16-yarder, low. Casey's first win of the year. Houston were happy to kind of soak up the pressure and try and hit on the counter. I I definitely think they won't do that against the Whitecaps. They're going to see that as very much a game that, that they can kind of get three points from. My prediction for it, I'm gonna go to 0
1: Houston. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at the roster and everything, there's not there's not very much to be excited about about Houston, though.
3: No, um, I mean I'm maybe being generous to Houston there. I, I could yeah, also see now now to be totally honest. And like Corey Baird is is probably
1: the probably their second best attacker after Quintero. Um and then um who like there was one other player I saw and I can't remember his name now. Um I know Tyler. Pastor's there, former uh, like former Canadian, Canadian player from the USL, former
3: USL player. Yeah, he uh, but,
1: started really good
3: last season. Then he yeah. had a big dip of form.
1: So yeah, there's not very much to like. Tim Parker, obviously. Oh, Fafa Pico is the other guy who I think yeah, could yeah. could show something. Um, Memo Rodriguez, but nothing really like outstanding, like very similar to Vancouver. Um, so uh, nothing to write home about. I I would say, okay, I'll I'll go one one. I'll say both both teams get a goal, but it's not going to be very exciting. So
4: then I'll I'll just say nil-nil no, no for fun then.
1: Ah.
3: They've got a Panamanian, Karaskia, who's still coming back from injury, and he's apparently meant to be one of the key pieces for them, but he's probably not a, a, a good position to, to start for them. It's kind of reminded me of some other seasons that we've had of late where we've just got off to this bad start and you can't rely on a late run of of the quality that we had last year i mean those kind of runs don't happen very often unless you're Seattle who seem to manage to pull those kind of runs off year after year and they're preparing for one again this year yeah they they yeah, certainly uh, got off to a bad start but i mean you and, look... and then but then the thing is you know how, how
1: are you going to find another Brian white and ryan gold this year it's going to be it'll be obviously i'm not saying you're going to find a striker in it, but Like, it's going to be hard to find two players like that that could come in and make such a big impact. Yeah,
4: Yeah. and this is where, you know, talking last year in the offseason, I would say that we're going to see what, you know, how Vanny is as a more holistically as a coach. Last year, it was, there was only one thing that mattered in the world. It was winning games to make the playoffs. Nothing else mattered. There was no other distractions. You know, even when it came to like contracts or whatever, he was probably Mm -hmm. just said to the guys like, "I'm not dealing with that. I'm the interim. Just play your best and get a contract." You know what I mean? Like now, he's having to deal with multiple. He'll have to deal with multiple competitions. He has to deal with. um, He has to deal with being the guy who's like dealing with all the man management, all the the players. You know, desires and frustrations and all the feelings. Yeah, and so. It's gonna. It, it's so much more than la- so much more than oh, what he did last year. That we're gonna, yeah, see the his. We'll see how his qualities translate.
1: Like I, 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 I again reiterate that I don't think that they should have signed him. I still don't think even after the run and everything he had. Don't I think there would have been better options out there if they had tried to look.
4: It was a very Whitecaps uh, decision.
3: Yeah, I think it was the right decision. Though I don't think a guy no. can go in a run like that and you don't reward them
1: why it's just one run though it, it was at a certain different time different aspect and everything like that yeah i don't think you could give stuff on runs like that because that, that's a one in a million kind of situation
3: they it gave, Michael, they, gave lot,
4: they gave tater a one-year deal and he won a title in a different division
3: yeah but that was at a different level yeah, but, yeah like he was moving but, up a level and, but, and then he and then, what,
4: and then, and then he, he won and made a final <laughs> like and they only gave him a one-year deal
3: But, I mean, the pressure is definitely on him and the team because I know it's only the third game of the season, but it really is a big, big game for them because you look at what's coming up after it, and it's LAFC away. Then you've got home games against Kansas City and Portland, which home, you'd maybe fancy them to take things in that. Then you're away to Montreal. You're heading down to Austin, which down there... It's like, I know we, we've had a result down there, but it's like, they're great there. Then you're away to Seattle. You might be looking at May when you're at home to a terrible TFC side that will come to shortly and then home to, to to San Jose and then home to Dallas. Hopefully it doesn't get to that point. May's looking optimistic. We just have to get through May and see what points we can pick up along the way. Anyway, maybe we're just being a bit doom and gloom and they're going to win next week comfortably and it's going to turn the the mood around. But we will be back looking around the rest of the MLS West after this. Hi, I'm Brian White and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Welcome back to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's a band from the early 80s out of England called the Freshies. And that was their anti war song, Wrap Up the Rockets, recommended to us by longtime listener Angus Walker. A just thought It was very fitting to to play with some of the lyrics there as well, with everything that is going on in Ukraine at the moment. It's from 1981. The lead singer of that band, a man called Chris Seavey. We've featured Chris on the show before. Does anyone know why? No. Frank Sidebottom. Oh, there you go. Pre-Frank Sidebottom days, he was in a punk band called The Freshies. We've a few other songs. I hadn't actually heard that one to Angus recommended it. So we thought we'd put it in tonight's show. So thanks to Angus for, for doing that. If you've got any good war songs, I feel we may be playing them for a while to cook off some of these sections. Send them along. Because obviously we like to play a, a lot of music on the show. And last year, long-time listeners will know that I played a lot of Russian music on the show. And two of the bands that I, I played, one was Moscow Death Brigade, which were our Arts of the Month. Rather unfortunate name at the moment. I'm not wearing my T-shirt around Vancouver for the band anymore, but they're they're very anti-government and they're an underground band and they're graffiti artists. I've been a bit worried because I haven't heard anything on any of their social media since February 23rd. So with all the arrests in Russia and stuff, you do get a little bit worried with that. So we wish them all the best. Another band we played, Ice Peak, who are, again, a, a very anti-government band as well. They posted something this morning, which I, I was glad to to read. They've been out in the demonstrations as well. But when you follow bands from a country like that, and everything that goes on in that country. And then all of a sudden there's just like radio silence. No pun intended. On their social media channels. You you do get a little bit worried about what's happening to them. So we wish them all the, the very best. Mm. And yeah. Just hope this situation can get sorted out. I just. Right now I just. I don't see how. We get out of, of where we are just now. I've got to say. But. It was a bit of a war in MLS on the pitch in some of these games as well this week. We're going to be doing our MLS Weekend Review. We mostly look at the Western Conference, but I want to start off this by looking at the other two Canadian teams. Because as things stand after week two, no Canadian teams have won a game. It's a Garber conspiracy.
4: Really disappointing (laughs) matches for the Canadian teams there. Like, really.
3: Let's start off with TFC, and I've got a question well, for you first, Zach. Yeah. What was worse, TFC's performance or that pitch?
4: Oh, yeah. Yeah, it looked bad, eh? It looked like that's why they shouldn't be playing games there in March.
3: Yeah, it looked and- like a tatty field, Steve. It's like somebody had just been plowing it beforehand. It was horrendous.
4: Oh, I wonder what they're going to do to to get it ready for the 27th.
1: It was threadbare, Steve. Yeah, there's a lot of work that needs to be done in order to get it ready for that. Um, the one good thing about this game, though, is how do like if you look at the, some of the stats. I looked at the, watch the highlights. I didn't watch the whole game, but T- TFC has like o- almost like near seventy percent possession. Yet New York Red Bulls have are, have thirteen shots and nine on target out of like thirty two percent possession. How does yeah, that happen?
4: Well, they were lethal on the counter.
1: Yes, yeah, I know. So obviously, and, that and, like and that the, shouldn't that shouldn't happen. No, you, you can't do that at home. The
4: possession was significantly score-effect, too, because yeah. they scored so early that yeah. they just were able to sit back and be like, okay, whatever.
3: Well, I mean, have got to give full credit to my little Scottish friend, Lewis Morgan. His first-ever career hat-trick. What a time to get it.
4: You're never one to big up a Scotsman? Of
3: course not. <laughs> I, like, genuinely, I would have loved us to have made a play for Morgan in the, the off-season. And when the How Red much deals, did they pay for him? A million.
4: one-million game? Yeah.
3: Okay. When that deal went through, I was like, oh, man, he was available for that. And yeah. Did he get called up to the national team? No, because the, he, doesn't play, not playing he doesn't like MLS, the, the Scotland head coach. But maybe that'll change if guys like Morgan and Johnny and Ryan light it up. Might be a bit to go for Ryan to do that, but we'll, we'll see what happens with that. But yeah, 4-1 in this one to New York Red Bulls over TFC. All the goals in the first half. Zach and me, obviously, we were very disappointed. Zach, you had your tweet ready to go, and you yeah. almost got to do it. Yes. I was thinking of you.
4: What time is it? So close.
3: Yeah. Was that Katie Chung's debut today, too? And Lucas, and Lucas
4: And Lucas Minan. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there, were, there, there, there were positives for TFC in this game.
3: I mean, the, uh, the big positive, Zach, is the fact that they do seem to be building a youth setup there. I, yeah, I mean they're, they're, they're really bringing young, Bradley, which is surprising me.
4: They're really bringing young players through. I, I told you Michael I, I really like uh, no, Noble Okello. Like I've I I've always always liked him whenever, Yeah, you
1: pick FIFA, yeah, you Yeah, whenever FIFA,
4: it. I always bring the guy. He's so big and strong and um in FIFA he can shoot from distance.
1: <laughs> do you um, change him to center back at all or do you just No, no, back? I always
4: use him as a midfielder. Oh. He's either a holding midfielder or a straight-up midfielder. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, so it was good to see him actually play because I haven't seen him play play a lot, or it's been a while. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I mean, he came on as a sub. But, yeah, there were other, other guys who started for them. And then, of course, seeing a Caden Chung come on was great. And Lucas yeah, I,
3: I mean, I, I hate to see Caden in that red jersey, but I wish him nothing but the very best. If he can make the breakthrough, the step-up to MLS there, I'll be delighted for him.
4: yeah. They both had moments. They both had moments where they almost gave away huge opportunities. One for yes. them, but but they were both of them recovered well. And so, yeah, I think they'll be happy with their performance. Obviously, they wish the team would have won, but um, yeah. And, and so, but it'll be interesting. The thing that with this whole young young player movement or whatever, or yeah, obviously they're they've just brought in this old uh, friend of Insignia, who's a center back, Italian center back. And uh, or they brought him in, or, or they're supposedly going to bring him in. Um, and Insignia is coming in the summer, so obviously it'll be interesting to see what happens in the summer. But, um, more so, re- regardless of that, is like how long is that the, the leash that Bob Bradley has? You know what I mean? Like, because both his reputation, which yeah. I think is mostly positive, even though he never won big titles in LA, he he still did really well in general. But, how much will like mlsc slash the the tfc fan base be willing to put up with at this point in their 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 story right like obviously years ago when they were awful for so so long they would have been willing to put up with a bob bradley doing a youth movement for maybe three or four years or something but now yeah he's no like maybe that long. maybe one one and a half two tops you know and that's not really enough time to really or sorry, it doesn't feel like that's enough time to really bring a, a good young squad together. Together, unless they keep on adding like you know massive players, which they might just be you know what they keep on doing.
3: If, if they see signs of improvement and constant improvement, that will buy them a bit of time. I'd I'd think Chris Armas. It was a bit unfair on him. He they wanted success right away, and because he maybe wasn't as big a name as Bob Bradley, Bradley's not going to get that kind of. Uh, abuse and vitriol that, that Armas kind of brought on. Although TFC did look a mess un, under Armis in this one, there, there were flashes from a few of the young guys. Jimenez's goal for TFC was fantastic. I mean, he showed some really good footwork there as well. So they they've, do they do have stuff to build on, and I think the time that Insigne comes. Hopefully the young guys this is from their point of view, hopefully the young guys are a bit more versed, but you don't want to fall too far behind. Like I, I know you look at the White Cats and the run that they made last year and we talked about Seattle's doing that. It's not easy to do to win out. You would need insignia to be lighting it up week after week, and there's not a guarantee he's gonna do that. For for all the talent that he brings.
4: No. And one of the things one of the things that's interesting is that they're bringing in and seeing it as the attacker, but Salcido, their big centre back signing, didn't look good today and should have been sent off.
3: I was and gonna it, say, let's end with talking about that. Yeah. How I, I understand how the referee can see it at full pace and not, and not sure. fully see it. Yeah. But then you're called over and you it, review it and you it, still don't give a red card.
4: And it was, it was what's her name? Um the Canadian. Oh, Carol Ann, yeah, the It was Yeah. Yeah. She was the one who said this should be a red card. You got to look at it, and then the guy looks at it. He's like, "No, no, I think that I think those studs going into that virtually straight leg, that's okay. Just the yellow is good and enough." Someone
3: said to me or, or on Twitter though that they think it might be because his foot kind of bounced off the ball and into the leg, and they might be giving him the benefit of the doubt for that. But it was yeah, still high think, enough to bounce off the ball, yeah. which is the way I look at it.
4: Exactly, he he went, he didn't get the ball in the middle or anything. Uh, and it's, that could have been a leg breaker. To, I mean, exactly, it comes is... down to excessive force. Was it excessive force? And yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was easily a red card.
3: Um, but it, I think he, we we can expect the apology during the week off. Oh, the referee got that one wrong,
4: yeah, possibly. But I think because I, the yellow's
3: think, been issued, um, Disco can't do anything now from right. Might
4: not be there possibly. I forget what the napkin I know, says. I know, forget but, but it always. Is um, real. But uh, the other thing about so, so-, so-, so Cido, uh, is um, I-, I don't think his partnership with O'Brien has really clicked yet. The guy, the-, the former Flounder center back that they brought in, and uh, not that again, not that that's going to be uh, you know the 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 hole through which you know Lucas Manon's going to get playing time, but I- I'm a little bit concerned for them that that isn't more solid, especially. Because Cecido is such a you know like a big signing and a big player for them, and uh, I think they were kind of I think Bradley's probably was really excited about this partnership, and it doesn't seem to be working super well. But I think it's also hindered because their fullbacks are I think members are both kind of young and
3: inexperienced in this match, anyways. But and they've got Bono. That's just terrible.
4: Yeah, that's the other thing is.
3: I, I, I don't think I don't... he could have done too much with the goals no, because but because Morgan I, I think, took them so well. I think but... I said
4: it last week, Michael. They they need to bring in a new keeper. They need yeah. a, a quality keeper. I think they will. They, they, they got... will, except for Bradley never brought one into LA. Ah,
3: oh,
0: that's
4: true. In his
3: whole time. Maybe they need Mark DeSantis to move to TFC. Um, so... It looked, when TFC pulled one back that they could get themselves back into the game, the other Canadian team, I they must be like, how did we not even come away from this game with a point because they should have come away with all three. Montreal going down to a 2-1 home defeat to Philly. The bell-enders all be devastated by that one. They missed their bell. Lassie LaPalinen put them one nil up in the 32nd minute. And when it first went in, I was like, how on earth did that drop in? Because it looked like it was going sk- skied over. Yeah, it was and then I-, I described to you by text, I said it was, it was kind of like, a little golf chip onto the green that it just dives and then
4: yeah it was the deflection gave it the the loop that it needed and totally fooled blake
3: and then mihailovich because you, you had told me because you were texting as uh i was going to the game which i didn't read until i had parked the car that I it was funny reading your text because you're like, oh, they're 2-0 up. Well done. It's like, oh, no, it's been ruled out. So then I watched the highlights when I got home and I was like, at first I was like, how was that yeah. called back? And then you see it and it's like, oh, that's harsh, but it, it is the correct decision.
4: Yeah, if you, but you feel for the minute also because it it's like, that's like the turning point
3: in the whole game. Well, yeah, it was really well taken by Mihailovic as well. And then two goals in a three-minute spell by Philly. And that was it, Bedoya, yeah. and not Bedoya. good goals.
1: The 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 setup from Camacho to Bedoya was really good. Yes, yes. I was gonna oh, say the same thing, a, Steve. Yeah, that was a good one, and I think Camacho had a little bit to do with the second goal. So he yeah, had a he double. wasn't
3: great on the second either. He was involved. Was in bad defendant for both those well, goals. What, what,
4: like what? Why? How can you, as an experienced defender like that, make that kind of pass on that first goal inside your own area?
1: Well, he was ball man. Well, officially, he was both... Officially, he was supposed to clear the ball. It's supposed to be a clearance, not a pass. But then Lapa
3: as well just kind of kicked the ball off the guy's shin as well. The whole
1: defending was weird at that first goal because they were all just standing around waiting for something to happen, it seemed like.
3: Montreal, I said this on on last week's show, they've got such a good squad. And you look at the, the players that's out there, and like Kai Kamara got his first start for them today as well, and you look at them and you think... That's a team that could be really challenging at the top of the the East, and they're just not clicking yet.
1: I, I think you really have to appreciate Steven Vittoria, um, because the, the main difference in this backline with Montreal in, and, and the Canadian national team backline is Steven Vittoria versus Rudy Camacho. And yeah, you have yeah. to really. That's you know, an
3: interesting, yeah.
1: That's that's like that for me is the biggest uh, difference between this the, these two back, back lines, obviously, uh, because it's, it's basically Alistair Johnson, Kamal Miller on the right and left hand side, and yeah. so, and hopefully, like I think Zach mentioned before or in the, on our chat that Z- Kamal Miller's injury is not too bad. Um, no,
0: yeah,
4: he stayed on, but it looked uh,
1: good at first. I thought he got subbed off at one point.
4: I, th- I think he did
1: late, like in late the game. 80th minute or something. Yeah, he got subbed yeah. off. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, um, uh, and that's, that's the, my biggest concern is the Kamal Villa injury. Other than that, it's fine. Uh, Philadelphia is a very good team. Um, yeah. So it, if, if Montreal, I think Montreal has a little bit of a thing because they're still getting used to each other. And if they can somehow – I think their biggest thing in the summer is to replace Camacho on the pitch. And I think that's, yeah, that, that's the biggest – But they had him out of really contract. They them, brought him yeah. back. I know. I, I anyone helps I, I Well, hopefully they get some time to bring somebody in in the summer. What his, I'm yeah. saying,
4: his buddy left, right? Didn't his buddy leave the guy who was like from his same town, or he's gone, isn't he? Or is he still there? Maybe he's still there, like the G, the the TD or whatever. Oh yeah. I thought that guy left.
1: Maybe someone left. Well, whatever of the case is, if they couldn't, if they couldn't get anybody in this winter, they need to look for somebody in the summer. Some some kind of upgrade because yeah. that's it's not going to do for them even with Alistair and. Come on, Miller on the
3: on the sides of the. Yeah, th-
4: another big thing for them is a Mason Toy is not is not back from injury, and
3: that'll yeah, be yeah he was them. big for them last and year, and then because r- Johnson r- just has not performed r- last year
4: for them, and no, and Romel Ram- Kyoto last week you need week to speak to foolish,
3: the Ryan people about the, Johnson. Kyoto yeah. <laughs> got a
4: foolish red card last week that he totally showed. Yeah, have. That, that, that the double fisted punch
3: into the chest, or yeah, yeah. so a bit of fun. Next week's fixtures. White caps at Houston, Montreal at New York City, Toronto at Columbus. Ooh. Are any of the Canadian teams gonna have a win by the end of next weekend? No. Mm. I'd say I think the first
1: team the first team that gets a win gets a bye in the Voyagers Cup.
3: Uh, we'll somehow get <laughs> screwed over in that as well. If you if you look at the end the next week, we're away to LAFC, Toronto's at home to DC United. Well, and they could win that yeah they could and montreal just trying to find oh they're away to atlanta <laughs> hmm. it's not easy yeah, for uh, the canadian teams right but now.
1: atlanta lost today to somebody that
3: wasn't really yeah losing at altitude, i can't remember at altitude yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, so was it, it in Col- it, i thought
1: it was in atlanta oh i didn't know I was it, was it was in colorado, it, right? colorado oh that
3: makes sense lost the game but we'll, we'll come at that very soon because we're going to turn our attention to the western conference now and quick Round about the grounds. I, I like doing this bit. And we'll be back with all of that after this. I am Joel Waterman, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. <laughs> Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's another song from our new Artist of the Month here for March at AFTN from Glasgow, Scotland, the Delgados. That is the first track from their debut album, 1996's Domestiques. And that's one of my my favourite Delgados songs. Under canvas, under wraps. They sadly split up in 2005 when one of the members of the band, one of the, the co-vocalists cool there with Emma Pollock, decided that he, he didn't feel that the, the band were getting the, the recognition, that their hard work and quality of their music really deserved. So he didn't want to pour so much of his time and effort into it. So instead just wanted to to concentrate running the Chemical Underground record label which they still all do to this very day. And it's a, a record label, when it first started, I've got so many of their their early records on 7-inch, on, on CD. I, I, I don't know if it was like that over here or not, but a lot of people collected music that was on a, a record label. So for me, way back in the day, I, I collected records that were on Stiff Records and Two-Tone, and then going into the... the The 80s was obviously factory records, I've I've got a lot of factory record, 12 inches and and albums that had been brought out on there, New Order and the likes. And then in the 90s was a lot of independent record labels that I really supported and, and got a lot of music from, Guided Missile out of London, Chemical Underground, out of Glasgow and a few other ones as well. So we'll have more stuff coming up from the Delgados in the weeks to come this month. But let's get back to the football chat now. So we've looked at the Whitecaps. We've looked at Montreal and TFC in the last part. We're going to turn our attention now in this part to the MLS Western Conference and see what was happening around the grounds there this weekend. The the day's action kicked off in New England and the Revs came away with a 1-0 win against Dallas. Dallas do look improved over last season although they kind of had to be otherwise they were going to really struggle but they've made some good additions they had a couple of chances midway through the first half but Carlos hale was brought down in the box in the 44th minute yeah it was reviewed it was given after a video review and then he got up it and, and buried it i don't think it was as clear cut as the commentators made it out to be I, no i thought it was a penalty it, it was a I, mean, I think it was a penalty but i don't know that it was clear and obvious
4: it's more clear and obvious than some of the other things that MLS I've seen this year. But I mean, the the biggest thing about for me about this game was um, New England was coming off this like uh, really enthralling, exciting game away to Portland last week, and they didn't really play super well again. I knew no. Dallas Dallas played better than we you know than I would have I would have expected, and better than they did the week before I think, but. I was expecting a much better game and a much more dominant performance for New England. And so it's disappointing that it wasn't that way. But at the same time, they got the result. So uh, I think... Yeah, I, think... I mean, they
3: had they had some chances in the second half as well, the revs because Hedges cleared uh, books header off the line and then Pais had a, a good double save with 15 minutes to, to go. So, I mean, they, they did create a little bit. But yeah. from a Whitecaps point of view... Yeah, D- drop those points. One of the the matches of the weekend, I enjoyed this one, and I it's not often I say that about a San Jose game. San mm. Jose three, Columbus Crew three. I wrote a lot of notes for for this game. It's the and game I,
4: of the game of the of the day. For yeah,
3: sure. and I think I'm falling in love with Zeller Yeah, he is something you else. Write, you should write a song. Watching him last week, he was just magnificent against the Whitecaps and and again today as well but San Jose actually took the lead in this one Espinoza from the spot after VAR got involved again Marie had his foot stood on and it was given yeah it was a penalty yeah. and then sending off which didn't change the game ultimately but it did for a spell Montero was sent off with a VAR review in the 33rd minute I, I don't think he had too much to really question about that. Columbus had taken over, but by that point, Zilla Ryan tied nice. it up five minutes. But before oh, halftime, yeah. beauty that first goal was an absolute screamer. Yeah, and then there was a great save from Etienne to start the second half. Jizzy Zardis.
4: yeah, your buddy,
3: yeah, 2 1, didn't make any mistakes this week. Put the crew ahead from six yards out. Then Zilla Ryan free, free kick. kick, another yeah. beauty. In the 73rd minute. Now at that point you would have thought. They're a man up. They're two goals up. You'd have turned off the game if you were watching it live. Got to give credit to San Jose for coming back in this one. Two really good headers from Calvo. Both from set pieces as well. Which is clearly going to be a threat from San Jose this year because they yeah. don't look like they're going to be scoring a lot of goals any other way. All,
4: all three of their goals in this game. I can't remember their one against Deadpool last week, but all three goals this, this game were, were That Deadpools. was from
3: open play, I'm pretty sure, from what yeah, I think remember. You're, I think
4: you're right. But it, it, I mean, Calvo is, I think, in the, I can't remember which list he was on, whether he was a free agent or uh, you know, waiver draft one or two or whatever those things are called. But he was the one player whose name came up last year. I thought, oh, maybe Vancouver would look at him in terms mm. of like, you know, s- strengthening their defense or perhaps replacing one of the big pieces in their defense. Um, and yeah, he's always been to me uh, like a, a really good MLS player. And uh, here he was again getting on the, the score sheet uh, with a brace, which, you know, grabbed a point out of the 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 jaws Off of defeat for first team. Yeah, yeah. Clutched
1: it. Um, the, the, the the second one, like the, the it was from a corner, I think. The, yeah, this is yeah. second goal of the game, Great and pitch. it was just a and, bullet. And I thought at first the guy that was flying in hit it, but it, it yeah. saw that it was uh, it was Calvo, and I I don't know what happened, but I think there was four minutes added on, and they were in the
3: sixth minute of yeah. the yeah. entire. Yeah, always gotta love that. It was the last yeah. kick,
4: last play of the game, and. The fans were going crazy. It was good. It was good for San Jose.
3: Yeah, yeah. It it's a big point for them, and I a, a good confidence booster as well, especially at home. The crew, though, it, yeah, disappointing. They've scored seven goals in their in their first two games as well. So at least they, four, they are scoring. But okay, so I I see, I see a five little bit, of them are against ten men.
1: I, I just I was looking up at this, the 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 timeline and everything, and I just see why there was there was two players booked for yellow cards for time wasting from Columbus. So oh, maybe that's the reason why they oh, were in the 96 minutes.
3: Oh, that's a sickner if you're a coach for, yeah. for that <laughs> yeah. happening. Wow. Colorado 3, Atlanta nil. Steve referenced it earlier. Atlanta dominated possession in this. It was 64 to 30. They outshot Colorado 12 to 8. Atlanta had four shots on target, no goals to show for it. Colorado, three shots on target, three goals. That's efficient.
4: Yeah, and you got to think the altitude plays some kind of role in that.
3: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, the, the first goal, totally against it, they're on a play, Diego Rubio, with a, a header of a lovely Barrios cross in the 33rd minute. Then three minutes into the second half, Jonathan Lewis. Great ball from Rubio in this time for Lewis to finish. And then Andre Shinyashiki. With nice interplay in the build-up to this three minutes from time. Atlantis Miles Robinson got a second yellow in the 86th stupid yeah. challenge. Was when that it on was 2-0,
1: right? Yeah, that's, yeah. And the thing is, the fact that his first one was for descent—that's uh, not a good one. You have no, like you have a no, yeah. descent. You should never get a, a yellow card for descent because that's just asking for it, especially oh, yeah. as a defender.
3: What I liked from Colorado in this, although they were outplayed and outpossessed for much of it, their movement is what you want Vancouver's movement to be. Just the quickness that they can move that ball about with with the players that they've got. That's the level that the Whitecaps have to get up to. Two other teams that drop points. Minnesota and Nashville. A 1-0 draw. CJ Sapong poked Nashville ahead five minutes in. Uh, The Teams exchanged chances in the first half. Both teams hit the post. Dotson made it 1-1 with a, a scramble for Nashville. And then not really much to write home about in the... The second half. I think both teams will be a bit disappointed with the performance in this one.
4: This is one of two games that had a massive weather delay.
3: Oh, that I didn't know. I knew the RSL game did. I didn't know that this one did as well. This
4: one, not as long as RSL, but it had a big one, yeah.
3: Oh, interesting. Well, let's talk about that RSL game. So,
4: yeah, Dotson scored after the break, which was, yeah, helpful for Minnesota.
3: Ah. See, I only watched the abbreviated highlights because I was running out of time, so that I didn't know. Interesting. Yeah. RSL 1 Seattle nil. can <laughs> is, is the like injured? bottom of the west. Is Crylatch injured? I don't know. I know he's bought a hundred tickets for every game and they were having a Crylatch corner, which I actually mm. thought was a really nice touch by him. Okay. Winning goal in this one. Bobby Wood in the 46th minute, but a two plus hour delay for lightning. i known i knew it was a delay. So I had just assumed it was snow, and then you see the pitch, and the pitch is snowy, and then it turned out it was lightning. Yeah. And then the last Western game on Saturday that we're going to talk about, LA Galaxy headed to Charlotte, and they licked the clit, 1-0. Charlotte's home opener, their very first home game in MLS. A record standalone crowd, 74,479. I love when you've got a big crowd like that, and then the other team scores the winning goal, and it's just like shh.
4: They put up a graphic during the game where it was like it was they weren't even bragging that it was the highest ever MLS game. They had it as I think it was like the second highest football or fo- I think football attendance in the world in 2022,
3: in 2022 <laughs> I saw that it was behind Liverpool, uh, Chelsea, Liverpool, in the, yeah. the league
4: or in the league cup. I think <laughs> league cup final.
3: I mean, it is impressive. Oh, oh, yeah,
4: it's encouraging.
3: <laughs> how many but, are going to keep coming back if they keep playing the way that they're playing?
4: Well, it's not. Oh, that's the thing. This was one of the games I was thinking about when I was talking earlier about the quality of play in the league. Like, it, it wasn't even how they played, it was just, the, or, you know, them winning or whatever. The overall play was really, really poor. Uh, one thing which I, you know, I want to hold in my hand when, you know, as early as possible, I might be real. I know they're off to a blazing start, six points out of six, but. And maybe they'll just keep keep turning up, but I'm am not as high on the galaxy as having seen them play now a couple of times as I was before. Douglas Costa, who I again I appreciated his first stint at Bayern, um, his second one he didn't really do anything, but man, he he is uh, he, he's, there's no way he lasts long in MLS. He's one of those players whose speed was so important to him, and he's not near not very fast. And there's multiple times where he would just stop on plays. You know, like, and you can't have players do that in MLS or or you definitely can't have more than one player do that in MLS. No. And so, I, yeah, it, it was it was kind of disappointing just, like, to see him, you know, play the play the game the way he the way he he did. Now, his team won. Vasquez is still, you know, on fire. Hit the six, know, six points. Yeah.
3: Oh, they're, yeah. They're, they're definitely better than last year. Yeah, but oh, they're yeah. not at the levels they need to be if they really want to be a top four team. And I, I still think they could struggle to to make the top seven. But they're getting their early results in. The, the goal was a, a, a beauty, a wonder. Stunner. yeah, Yeah, I mean that. Way that that left his foot and just nestled in the top corner, it was absolutely beautiful. 19 year old
4: Efren Alvarez. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it kind
3: it, of, it, I know
1: it was from different parts of the pitch, and but it was kind of very uh, not totally like, but like the way that it floated and everything, it was very Eric hasley like against Seattle. Mm. Mm. Uh, just the way the, the 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 way the ball like traveled from his Wait, foot and it the it kissed the post on the way, in. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly
3: like to, to just bring. The spirit of Carol Robinson. His fine lines comment, which he's always maligned for, I I still say it's so true and people just beat him over the head with being accurate. You look at the 12th minute of this one. Reyna's pulled back. Oh, yeah. And it's a red card, but the flag had gone up for offside. Yeah. And it was a tight, tight offside as well. That could have changed the game. A minute, before the Galaxy get the winner. Charlotte have a double chance. Christian Fuchs has a shot that's saved and then Bender hits it the the follow-up off the post. That goes in. The Galaxy probably then not going up the the field and getting the winner. So it's those kind of fine lines, but it's left Charlotte looking for their first point of their MLS thing, their first goal of their MLS campaign.
4: Yeah. Fuchs is the opposite of Douglas Costa. Old... But, man, does he ever, like, not give up, you know? Yeah. He, he's a, he'll he's he hopefully be good for
1: them for a year or two. The um, thing, the thing hard... is, uh, sorry, the thing is, I just want to quickly mention, the thing was with the fine lines comment is that he used it a little bit too much at, at a certain point. And, yeah. he, and he would use it sometimes when it was, the game was horrible. And that's what we were talking about Sartini earlier, that, you know, what is he seeing on the pitch that makes it so fine or whatever. Like, he, like once in a while was fine, but he was using it right too much at the end
4: yeah um do you guys see the heartwarming story from this game
3: yeah i was gonna to yeah. mention that as well as a nice way to to round things up. before we get to that i just want to also say as well i thought kalina was was fantastic for charlotte in, in goal today he mm-hmm. faced 15 shots in that first half yeah and 21 in total and it's it made six saves all, all together but it's like did he did he break crepo's title or break a or no. record no because no, he only had six saves Oh, well, six saves. I got yeah, you. Okay. but he just faced a lot of shots. But they need to improve quickly because they look poor. They don't quite look Cincinnati first season poor because they're not shipping the goals as bad. But they they need to get some help in there. They, they've had true. a couple of years to build this team, and it does not look MLS quality. Yeah, let's let's finish with the, the heartwarming story. Sasha Question tweeted uh, a beautiful thing out that I think it was, was it 2010? When yes, he was in right. the, the galaxy, that he had done a hospital visit and there was a, a young lad in the hospital. Um, I don't think it said what, what it was worth, but he had a, a head shaved.
4: I, I, I think it was cancer or something.
3: Yeah, cancer or, or leukemia, I was thinking, and it would have been. His name is Chris Hegart. So they went to the hospital, did the visit. Fast forward. And he gave, he gave him a jersey that day. I think gave he him gave him a jersey him. that day. Yeah. Fast forward to 2022, and Chris Heggart's parents are in the hotel that Sasha question is in, and they went to speak to him because Chris Heggard is now a midfielder on the Charlotte team. And the pair of them have exchanged jerseys. Mm. And it, it's just such a beautiful, heartwarming story. And it brought a tear to my eye, I've got to say. In these horrible times where all the news is filled with just bad things you hear something like that and it just it really uplifts you
4: yeah it was was a really encouraging story
3: so there's two final matches featuring western teams on sunday the action kicked off and it was great to see that both of these games were shown on tsn this week and two very interesting games they they proved to be so hopefully people did tune into those the action kicked off in Texas. Austin FC, the surprise package is really so far this season. They scored five goals last weekend against FC Cincinnati. And let's be fair, Cincinnati not a good team, so you don't really know what you could meet from Austin. Would they have a stiffer test this week as Inter Miami headed to town? As it turned out, no. Inter Miami Also looking a very dreadful team to kick off the new season. Austin racking up five goals once again. Going nap. Which is a phrase I like to use. And I only kind of found out a few months ago from my wife that that's not really a a phrase that is used here very often. But it made my day when the fifth goal went in this afternoon when the commentator also used that phrase. He is from the UK which is probably why as well. But yet yeah, a 5-1 victory for Austin in this one. And, and they were dominant uh, against a really, really poor Inter-Miami side, as I mentioned. The scoring got underway in this one. In the 22nd minute, Austin had really taken the game to Miami in the early going. They got the reward 22 minutes in. Sebastian Driussi getting the first goal off the game. Four minutes later, and it was 2-0. Kolmanic... Picked out Julio Cascante following a free kick. And the Costa Rican headed home to double the Austin advantage. And they went 3-0 up in the 51st minute. Drew, you see, getting his second of the game. And he has really started the season very strongly for Austin. And you wondered at that point, could they hit five goals again? Miami, though... To their credit, pulled one back two minutes later. Nice finish from Leo Campagna, just in the box. And you were like, unlikely going to give them hope. It was one of their few forays that really caused too much danger. And then Austin, another couple of goals from Ethan Finlay to finish this one off. The first for him coming in the 64th minute. Heading an across from Alex Ring. The Miami players were looking for offside or, or something from that one, but it definitely didn't come. And then Finlay rounded off the scoring in the final minute with a beauty of a goal. Austin described it as a right footed rocket, hard to disagree with that. Into the far post, second assist of the afternoon as well for Diego Fagundes and Austin sitting top of the MLS West just now and playing some lovely football as well. The way that they are moving the ball forward, we talked about this about some of the other games, but they are a joy to watch just now. The atmosphere is electric in that stadium. Every time I see a game there, I I say to my wife, if she's on the couch with me and watching it, we've got to get down to Austin because I really, really want to take in a game there. And fair credit to them. Last year wasn't a a totally successful year for them, but they built a really solid foundation. And Josh Wolfe has built on that this year. And I don't know how long they can keep this going because I don't know how good they are because they have played two very bad teams. But you don't score 10 goals in two games without doing something right. Um, I'm enjoying watching their games just now. So Austin are top of the West, top of the Supporter Shield standings uh, as well, two weekends into the season. And the the last match of the weekend, very entertaining affairs, particularly in, in the first half. LAFC, Max Kripos LAFC, hosting the Portland Timbers in the, the evening game on Sunday night. And like I say, the first half in this was an absolute cracker. And we got another goal of the week candidate from Jimmy Chara. Bicycle kick for the second week running. And nothing Max Kripo could, could do about that. It just flew into the the top corner of the net. Kripo stretching to get to it, but it was just too much for him. But that gave the, the Timbers a, a 1-0 lead. 18 minutes gone. Carlos Vela had a couple of great chances. Portland's keeper... Evicić was so good in this when he pulled off a couple of fantastic saves. And in the first half in particular it was a great save from, from a, a Vela shot and a, a free kick as well that Vela had as LAFC really tried to push to get the equalizer. Didn't come though. Portland went in one goal up. The second half you thought was oh, going to be electric. But then there was a shock at the start of the second half when Carlos Vela had been pulled off at half time. And They've said afterwards it was precautionary and it's a worrying sign for them because without Vela, this LAFC side do not tick at all and he was the man that was really making things tick towards the end of the first half trying to get them back into the game. And the action did dip from both sides really in the second half but then you had a game-changing moment. 63rd minute, Claudio Bravo picking up a second yellow card and... Like, Van Rankin was lucky not to have had a, a second yellow as well but before that. But Bravo, two yellows, off he went. A stupid challenge, really, when you're you're on a, a yellow in one regard. And the, there's a little tug on Arango as he was going past. And Arango made the most of it. It was a very cheap foul to, to really give away. But you put that doubt in the referee's mind and there wasn't enough to say it was clear and obvious to overturn that decision and off Bravo went. After that, you thought, oh, LAFC, they're going to really take the game to the Timbers. But the Timbers comfortably dealt with whatever LAFC were throwing at them. And it looked like they were going to get away with all three points. And then deep, deep, in second half stoppage time 3 minutes into time added on LAFC grab an equalizer Mamadou Fall Rodriguez got the ball on the left side of the box crossed a low one in find and fall in the middle of the six yard box who finished it easily you wondered was it offside but not perfectly timed perfectly run equalizer there there wasn't enough time for LAFC to try and make that man advantage and the, the frenetic crowd as it was about by this point into the game to try and get a winner so both teams had to settle just for a, a share of the points there and portland will look at it as two points dropped but lafc well as well because they clearly need to win their home games good way to round off the weekend's action and the western conference standings after the two games they see two teams with 100% records. Austin leading the way, followed by LA Galaxy. LAFC, Nashville and RSL take positions three to five and four points. Colorado are sixth and three, and then Sporting Kansas City rounding off the playoff places for now also on three points. Just outside looking in on two points. Portland in eighth, Minnesota in ninth. Then you've got four teams, all with one point to show from their first two games. Dallas, Houston, San Jose and Vancouver and then bottom of the heap, Seattle Sounders still looking for not only their first point of the season but also their first goal. But that is it for our MLS Roundup, hope you enjoyed it again this week. I really enjoy doing these round-the-ground things but we've still got time for this week's Wavelength. And the majority of this show was recorded on Saturday night. Regular listeners will know we've got our kind of spoof section that we have. Football Violence Awareness Month. We've had it for a number of years now. It's basically just an opportunity for us to play the many, many football songs that that kind of cover uh, football violence and hooliganism and stuff in the game from a a lot of English punk and and oi bands we'd recorded that that was going to be this month we'd had our song then after we we finished recording on saturday night i hadn't had a chance to to really check twitter since i'd got home from the the white caps game and then i saw the absolutely horrific and sickening scenes in mexico at the queretaro atlas match and obviously after seeing that it's like no way could we, we run that section and that song so we've completely shelved that for now because we do do it as a joke if anyone isn't sort of aware of that it's just been it all all started by a slip of the tongue where I meant to say that we we don't condone those actions but I said we don't condemn those actions and that that's how that section started if anyone doesn't know that but obviously at this time we don't want to 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 make light of that kind of situation at football games in view of what did happen in Mexico on Saturday. So senseless. Still, at the time of recording this on Sunday night now, mixed reports still coming out of Mexico. The official word from the, the government down there is no fatalities and people in hospital, a couple of them in critical condition. Unofficial reports do have that there is a death toll. Don't want to talk on that just now. We'll cover it in next week's show once more is known. CONCACAF and FIFA Today have issued condemnation of the incident. For me, not going far enough at all. But it is very early days, so hopefully they will act more. And we'll have a lot more on that in in the next show. I, I don't want to speculate. I don't want to talk on stuff that isn't official. Obviously, it's it's dark times at the moment. You've got what's going on in Ukraine. So I thought, let's try and finish with a, a little bit of an upbeat tune. It's a an Irish band we've featured a few times on the show. They're called My Brother Woody, based out of Berlin now. You can find them on Bandcamp, mybrotherwoody.bandcamp.com. They had a football-themed album out in 2014. We've played a, a couple of tracks from it already in wavelengths in recent months it's called Random Football Musings Set to Music and this is a, a song from that album talking about being cut off on a Saturday and it's 3 o'clock the game's going to kick off and I thought this is a, a good song to play since the Whitecaps game kicked off at, at 3 o'clock on Saturday this week which is it's quite rare really these days but yet you're trying to get information about the game, you're trying to watch it, you're trying to listen to it, but you've got no internet connection, you're kind of cut off the world, what do you do? This is my brother Woody, Stranded on Saturday.
2: Trying to pretend I'm listening Saying just enough to get by And a smile at just the right time completely cut, someone tell me what's the score, is that so much to ask
0: for,
2: maybe for a minute I could slip away, stranded on Saturday. Women don't need an excuse. Fast, a reason to go. Oh, oh, praying for a signal. Come on, internet connect. Someone tell me what's the score? Is that so much to ask for? Maybe for a minute I could slip away, stranded on Saturday. Someone tell me what's the score Is that so much to ask for? Maybe for a minute I could slip away Stranded on Saturday
3: My brother Woody there, stranded on Saturday. Just a, a little bit of a, an upbeat tune to kind of finish off the show. But that is it for this episode of the AFTN Soccer Show. Just before we go, Steve, any final thoughts? Anything you learned this week? Um, you can find me on
1: Twitter at WhitecapsBeat. And, uh, you had a mention about you know acorns growing into chestnuts. Um, I think the Whitecaps need to grow some chestnuts very soon if they don't want to fall too behind on the standings
3: we should maybe sign Joey Chestnut he's a world champion
1: you, can you find guys me... know who
3: Joey Chestnut is no oh he's the hot dog eating guy
4: oh uh, yeah you can find me on Twitter at Zacharyam and uh, yeah Whitecaps fans it's only two games there's 32 league games to go 16 more home games to go uh, keep your heads hella
3: high who are you yes where is Zach <laughs> Please bring him back! <laughs> wow, I I, I, I
4: I didn't notice. I didn't say anything about the Voyagers Cup.
3: Though. <laughs> oh, oh yes, we're going. Oh, oh, yeah, we're going we to mention that. About. Let's just quickly mention that before we do finish the show. The draw for the Voyagers Cup is coming up on Wednesday, and the White Caps do not have a first round bye. So my bold prediction that the White Caps will beat. A CPL team in this year's Canadian Championship could be on. If they draw to Edmonton?
4: (laughs) Yeah. Crossing my fingers for that one. I could see them beating a CPL side this year, but then losing to a different CPL side (laughs) later.
3: So that's what I've learned this week. The draw is coming up on Wednesday, and I'm looking forward to it because I I do enjoy a cup draw. I, I hope there's balls. I hope there's Rod Stewart drunk pulling them out. Uh, uh, is anyone
4: else excited for the 2020 Voyagers Cup final?
3: Oh yes, there was that as well. Ah oh. That's so weird. I don't understand it at all. <laughs> Just say it's joint winners.
4: No, they well they do. They want to give Hamilton the gate and they wanna, you know, they're, yeah. They We've gave Toronto. A chance the, at the moment they to gave Toronto it. the qualification. Now they're giving Hamilton the game and the chance to Oh, well, I thought
1: they, When you said to give him the gate, I thought that was like the new trophy or something like that.
3: For- <laughs> 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 ah, always fun times in Canadian soccer. But that is it for this episode of the show. Find all our stuff away from the numbers, aftn.ca. Give me a follow on Instagram, AFTN Soccer, Twitter, AFTN Canada, And YouTube, youtube.com backslash aftncanada. Like, subscribe, ring my bell. Pretend you're in Montreal. Until next time when we're back, talking about the Whitecaps' first win of the season. So we might not have a show again until May. We'll be back soon. Thanks for listening. Take care. I'm on the Caps! Going to your first match is an experience you'll never forget.